Well, good morning, friends. It's good to be together today. We're going to go ahead and get started. I know people are still uh, trickling in, but we're going to go ahead and get going. My name is John, and I'm the lead pastor at the church, and I just want to welcome all of you here today. Um, if you're visiting with us, then I definitely want to say welcome to you this morning. And if you need anything or want to know more about our church, just please reach out. Um, a couple of things as we get started. Um, we do have Connect cards in your pews. always love when you all fill these out. There's a spot on the back to put prayer requests. If you need any information from us or want to give us any information, you can fill these out. And you can put them in the boxes by each of the doors. Um, you can also give this morning if you'd like to support our church financially. You can give in those boxes or online. We do have a stream of the service in the cafe if you need to go in there. Uh, for any reason this morning, you're welcome to, to, if you need to head out of the sanctuary for any reason, you can go in the cafe and you can hear the service and see it in there. It's also on uh, Facebook Live also. I encourage you all to read through the announcement handout. Lots of good stuff going on. So um, I'm excited to be with you all today. I'm going to turn it over to our worship team, and they're going to get us going, and Lisa is going to invite us into worship with a call to worship. If you all would stand and join me in this call to worship. O oh Lord, let my soul rise to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father. Thank you. 
in this confession. We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrongs we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. What we're going to do now is uh, something we do uh, most weeks here. We call it our time of gratitude and lament. Um, we turn to just a few people around us, and you can introduce your name, tell them who you are. Um, and then also, if you have something you're grateful for this morning, you can share that. Um, I know many of us are, are going through hard things right now, but um, I find that even in the midst of hard stuff, I still always can think of things that I'm grateful for. Um, and then also, if you have a lament or something that's not going so well in your life, then you're certainly welcome to share that. Um, if you ever don't know what to say after someone shares, just say thank you for sharing, uh, and then you can move on uh, to the next person. But um, why don't we just get with a few people around you, uh, little small groups, and it could be just a couple of you, it could be four or five of you, whatever, just turn to some folks. Share your name, gratitude, lament, and then I'll call you back together in just a moment.
All right, if y'all want to take another minute or so and start wrapping up, that'd be great. And I'll, I'll call you back together in just a moment. All right, we're going to continue in our worship this morning through singing, and so I encourage y'all as y'all wrapping up to stand with us as we continue to worship. Oh, my. 
And y'all can have a seat. We're going to move into a time of prayer this morning. And um, I'll just remind you, since it's the first Sunday of the month, our kids are going to be in here with us during the service. And there are some activities in the back y'all are welcome to, to grab for your kids and bring back to your seats if you would like. Um, but we're just going to spend a moment in prayer this morning at the altar. Um, and so if anybody would like to join me at the altar, you're welcome to. You're also welcome to stay in your seats. But every week we want to be intentional about taking some time just to be quiet. To find our, our grounding and our foundation uh, in our bodies in this space. Uh, to, to be aware of what God's Spirit is, is doing around us and in us to try to let go of some of the things that maybe are weighing us down or we're holding on to this morning. You may just want to take a few deep breaths. God, we have come together today just hoping for, for something beautiful, uh, longing for something good. Some of us are longing for, for deliverance and for healing. Some of us are coming today longing for to feel more whole and more well inside our bodies and, and in our minds. Some of us are here today, and, and maybe we barely made it. Maybe we don't want to be here, but, but something in us drew us to this place, and we're seeking to hold on to our connection to you. We're seeking to find new life in our relationship with you. I know for some of us, Lord, maybe we're even angry at you this morning. Maybe we're just not feeling right in this relationship we have with you because of hard stuff we're facing or feeling abandoned by you or feeling like you don't listen or care. And God, I'm just so grateful that you are our loving parent who is so uh, eager to, to know what's going on, is so eager to, to bend down and meet us on our level and to talk to us and to speak words of love and reassurance to us. So I pray this morning that we could hear some words of reassurance from you that we could hear some peace from you, that we could hear some, some stuff that maybe we just need to hear this morning, being reaffirmed this morning of our dignity and our value and who we are in your eyes. Sometimes, God, we get so down on ourselves. We can feel so bad and lousy, God, and we just need a loving touch from you today. God, some of us are facing big, big challenges right now, and we need to be fortified. We need to be strengthened. We need to 
to feel okay to, to embark on these journeys that are ahead of us or continue moving through the dark seasons that we're in. And we just pray you would be with us, Lord. God, today I'm, I'm mindful of a lot of people dealing with sickness this morning, maybe recovering from being sick or right in the thick of it or, or those who are just very afraid of, of getting sick and, and catching COVID again. And, and God, we... We just pray over all those who are dealing with sickness today that you would protect their bodies, that you would bring healing to their bodies, Lord, that, that the doctors and the medicines and, and, and the supernatural presence of your spirit could work together to, to bring people back to wholeness and to health. I pray for those who are just maybe feeling a little discouraged because they're recovering from surgeries or, or dealing with just lingering pain or or just not able to get around like they once could, or maybe have mobility issues. And, and God, we just pray that you would be near to them where they're at um, if they can't be with us today, and that you would just be a comforting presence to them. God, we are mindful today of just uh, the suffering and the pain that so many are experiencing right here in our community and all across our world. And, and God, we just pray particularly over those who are struggling uh, through the harsh realities of violence and war. God, I pray for, for just all the folks across our world who are dealing with the daily, just harsh realities of just trying to survive. We pray you would be near to them. That, God, you could bring and work, partner with us and with other people in this world to help bring some more peace into this land. We long for it, God, and we pray for it. God, we pray that we could have eyes to see uh, the resurrection. That we could have eyes to see new life. That we could have eyes to see the hope that is there for us. That we could be able to, to get a glimpse uh, of new creation and goodness and beauty, even through our tears that we wouldn't be afraid and, and run from our problems or our pain, that we would accept it and, and be willing to, to own it and, and walk through it, but also at the same time be able to experience some joy and light and beauty and goodness. Lord, we need you so much. This journey can be very challenging, and, and we need you to be with us. Now we join together and pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I'm grateful to be here with you all today. Uh, my parents are in town, so it's especially exciting. I don't get to pray beside my dad very much anymore, so that was nice. Um, also want to thank you all for this last week. Um, last week we had a kind of an emotional service in many ways. We were able to kind of enter into some of the pain that we're experiencing, the struggles that we're going to, through. We had moments to pray with prayer ministers. I saw many of you all literally holding one another in your seats and praying for one another, which was a gift. 
um, to be a part of that. And, and I know many of you all took candles home with you, and, and I heard, I've heard stories from you all that you've been lighting your candles, um, some of you all even daily, and lifting each other up and praying for one another. And so thank you all for doing that. Um, I, I, don't, I, I felt uh, a little bit stronger this week, so I, I think that might be because of your all's prayers. And so thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for one another. And let's not stop now. Let's continue on uh, and continue to lift one another up and support one another as best as we can. Um, because, uh, you know, every single face you see in this room, all the folks worshiping online, the people who aren't here, um, even behind the smiles, everybody's carrying something hard. Everybody's carrying burdens. Uh, we are all experiencing brokenness in many ways in our lives and our relationships, um, and, and we really do need each other. So thank you all for being there for each other. Um, I got a couple of quick announcements I want to share this morning before I preach. Um, I do have an announcement sheet here. Um, I encourage you all to read through this every week, but one thing that's coming up really soon, it's in two weeks, um, after the service on February 18th, um, we're going to have a lunch downstairs, and we call it our Embrace Orientation Lunch. It's just a time to come and hear a little bit more about our church, um, some of the ministries we offer, some of our ministry leaders will be there. Um, you'll get to meet them, get to meet other people. So if you feel kind of new to the church and you're wanting to, to learn more and potentially get more involved, if you've ever thought about membership as well, any of these things, um, come and join us. We'd love to have you. Um, and maybe you've been here a while, but you're like, I still don't feel like I, I know anyone or I want to know how to get more plugged in. I want to learn more. Then come on to the lunch next week or in two weeks. Um, we'd love to have you. It's, it's free. Just show up, and they'll be preparing it for you. So uh, come on and, and enjoy some time together. Um, another thing uh, related to food is that on Monday nights, we always have a meal um, at 6 o'clock. Um, we call our Monday night ministry The Gathering. It's a really beautiful time. Lots of folks from our community come to that meal. Some come because they're hungry and they need to eat and they don't have access to food um, in other spots, uh, access to a warm meal. Some people just come because they're hungry for fellowship and community. Uh, that's, that's why uh, lots of us come. Some of our Sunday morning folks come to Monday nights because they just really love being there. But we always share a meal together, and we have volunteers who um, pick up one Monday a month. And so we've had a consistent group of four kind of rounds of volunteers that do once a month. But one of our cooks, um, her mother's having some significant health is issues, and she's going to have to um, step away to help care for her for a season. And so we have a gap on one of our Mondays. And so we really do need help. Uh, if anybody loves to cook and you think that, you know, you could work uh, with a team or maybe you have some folks you could bring, we also have volunteers that we could give to you to help you uh, in the prep and all that. But if you like to cook and, and you're that kind of person, maybe you've never even cooked for like 40, 50, 60 people, but you think you could figure it out alongside of our help. We have cooks here who will help you uh, kind of figure out portions and all that stuff. And we got folks to help plate the food and all that. We just need someone to to be one to kind of step out uh, and take that risk to help us on Monday nights. And so if that sounds interesting to you, then please uh, let us know. We've got folks who have been doing this a long time who would love to talk with you more about kind of how to make that work. Um, Rachel had to jump in one Monday and cook a pot of chili, and she's never cooked for that many people, uh, but talked to Jason and some others, and she was able to do it, and it was awesome. And so um, you can do it. It's possible. Uh, so I encourage you all to, if you're able to consider helping us with a meal on Monday nights, that would be great. So we're going to continue on in our series in Mark that we've been in. And, you know, Mark, this series that we're doing through Mark is going to be quite a bit of like Bible study. It's going to be a little, sometimes we might get into the weeds a little bit for those of you who enjoy that kind of thing. Um, but we're really going to be digging into the text and some historical context and all that. Some series 
you know, may have a lot more stories and, you know, those kinds of fun things, a little lighter. Uh, but our Mark series is going to be pretty uh, in-depth, and, but it's some really interesting stuff. And I'm really interested in this uh, uh, sermon that I'm going to share with you all today. And so I encourage you all to lean in with me, uh, bear with me till the end, because I, I think that uh, some good stuff can come uh, from these things that I've been reflecting on and, and learning about over the last uh, week. So let me begin by sharing two quotes with you. Uh, we've started uh, Black History Month, and so these two quotes uh, are wonderful for sharing right now because they come from two people that I have so much respect for. The first is Fannie Lou Hamer, um, powerful uh, black woman uh, during the freedom movement. But she says, sometimes it seems like to tell the truth today is to run the risk of being killed. She said, but if I fall, I'll fall five feet, four inches forward in the fight for freedom. I'm not backing off, she said. And she was serious. <laughs> the second is from John Lewis, uh, another powerful black freedom fighter who passed away a few years back. But he said, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. Both Fannie Lou Hamer and John Lewis, I believe, carried on a, a bit of that spirit of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, his commitment to redemption, to freedom, and to love. And like Jesus, they were both willing to count the cost. They were willing to pursue what was right and what was good regardless of the consequences. Jesus certainly wasn't afraid of making some noise. Jesus wasn't afraid of getting into trouble sometimes, some of that good trouble and that necessary trouble. As we saw last week, Jesus' first act in his public ministry in the Gospel of Mark was going into the synagogue and casting out a demon on the Sabbath in the synagogue. This was a foreboding sign of what was to come. I mean, as soon as he enters the most holy place, on the most holy day of the week, he encounters opposition. This should alert us that this book is not going to be an easy book, right? Jesus is going to get into some stuff in the Gospel of Mark. He had an immediate confrontation. And this spirit uh, who was in this man speaks on behalf of the scribal authorities that had kind of ownership of the religious structure there in Capernaum. And he asked Jesus, he said, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Confrontation right off the bat. Ched Myers, a New Testament scholar, says, From the moment Jesus strides into Capernaum synagogue, it becomes clear that Jesus' kingdom project is incompatible with the local public authorities and the social order they represent. The kingdom of God is incompatible with what was happening there in that town. I think the kingdom of God is often incompatible with a lot of the things that we see going on around us now. I want to look at our text for today, and I'm not going to look, read the whole thing to you, but it's a long section of Scripture that covers all of chapter 2 and then the beginning of chapter 3. And this section is often referred to as what you could call the controversy dialogues. It's because Jesus has dialogue and conversation with people, and he gets into a lot of controversy right off the bat in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus provokes this controversy and conflict through the things he does in these verses. 
He gets into some good trouble, as John Lewis talked about. I want to talk about some history with you all, um, because I think it's important. If we're going to understand the Bible, we need to understand something about the context of when, in which the Bible was actually written. We need to understand something about the historical context. We talk about that a lot at our church. We need to remember that the Bible is a very ancient book. It was written like at least 2,000 years ago, right? The Bible is very old. It is an ancient book that was written thousands of miles away from here in a culture that is very distant from ours in a time that is very distant from ours. We need to treat uh, these texts more as, as stories from a distant land as opposed to something that's speaking exactly to what we're experiencing right now because they were living in a world that looked very different from our world that we talk about today. And so the Bible is ancient. And last week, I encouraged y'all to, to not only pay attention to what happens in the text, but also pay attention to where things happen in the text. We need to pay attention to the location of these stories. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the location of these first few chapters in Mark. Most of the stories in these first few chapters take place in a town called Capernaum and in some of the surrounding areas. Capernaum was a fishing town. It was located on the, the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was it's really a large lake um, in the Holy Land. Um, I've had the chance to go there. It's a really beautiful place. Um, but it's in that northern kind of part of the Holy Land. And since the location is Capernaum, a fishing town, where these stories take place, then I think we ought to talk a little bit about fishing in first century Palestine. I don't know if we have any fishers in the, in the group. I'm not good at fishing. I don't do that. Uh, but I think we need to talk about it because it was an occupation that a lot of folks had, and it was very important. Fishing was like really what supported these folks and their livelihood in Capernaum. So before uh, the Roman occupation of Palestine, fishermen like the Zebedee family, for exa example, some of those folks ended up following Jesus, they would have made a pretty good living in Capernaum by running their fishing business. They would go out to the Sea of Galilee every day and they would catch fish, probably lots of fish, because there were lots of good fish in the Sea of Galilee. However, what happened is the Roman government ended up coming in, this empire, and they took control of this land. And what they did naturally is when they came in to take control of the land, they also took control of the food production in Galilee, this area around the Sea of Galilee. And their, their control and them moving in and taking ownership of this greatly impacted these fishers in Capernaum. People like Simon and Andrew or James and John, names that you've heard before likely, they were fishermen. And they would have felt the effects of these new economic policies. The local produce at Capernaum, which once benefited the local people of Capernaum, eventually began to be exported or extracted from Capernaum and sent out to other parts of the Roman Empire. And it was really sent out for the consumption, mostly of wealthy elites and powerful folks and, and some of the people with more resources in other parts of the empire. We've seen this kind of thing happen throughout history all over our world, where a massive uh, kind of colonization project, you can take Africa, for example, this Massive continent with so many resources and so much uh, potential for, for all these resources and wealth within this continent. Through colonization, these colonizers came in and could, 
took control of the production of the resources and the food and ended up extracting so much of their resources and sending it out to other parts of the world. And this very thing is happening right now in Africa. A place like Congo, the DRC, where some of my friends come from, uh, there are tech companies and folks who are extracting their cobalt and copper and forcing people and displacing people off of their lands. And it's resulting in so many lives being lost and displaced. It is awful stuff that's happening. And this happened even in Kentucky, in eastern Kentucky, going in and stripping eastern Kentucky of its resources. And they don't get to enjoy them in the community. They're sent out to other folks to enjoy these resources. And this was happening in the Roman Empire. One product in particular in the Roman Empire that was popular was fish oil. Galilee had lots of fish, and so fish oil uh, was something that many people wanted, and so the Roman government built factories in Galilee. They built nice roads so they could transport all this stuff out of Galilee, and they would process the fish and export the fish oil and other fish products outside of Galilee to other parts of the empire. They were stripping Galilee of this valuable resource of good-tasting, high-quality fish. So not only did the government begin stealing these resources uh, from Galilee, but they also would pay very low prices for these products. They would heavily tax the products, and they would charge tolls to transport the products across borders. And they even charged the fishers a license fee to be able to fish on their lake, which they had basically owned in their community for, for generations, right? And so being a fisher was once a good occupation that benefited the community. However, these policies from the Roman Empire ended up impoverishing and marginalizing these fishing families in Galilee. Now, the taxes that they were forced to pay, they're not kind of your basic taxes that we pay where, you know, it helps us have public schools and public parks and provides roads and stuff for us to, you know, enjoy life. These, this form of taxation was really a very harsh form that really served to keep the subjects of the empire poor. This kind of taxation was killing people, and their product was being exported to benefit the wealthy. And even on top of that, in the Jewish culture, the religious leaders in charge of the temple system of tithing and sacrifices were also taking a portion of their product as a tithe to the temple. And so you can imagine it was really hard to make an income and be able to get ahead in this kind of system. There was this self-serving empire that was making life very hard for lots of fishers in Galilee. And so I think it's interesting that Jesus' first disciples that he called were fishers. They were fishermen. They were restless, struggling fishermen. Jesus came in the world to establish this new way of living in the world built on love and equity and compassion and freedom and justice. And the first people he called to his movement were disenfranchised, poor laborers. Perhaps it makes more sense why they immediately left their nets to follow Jesus because the status quo wasn't working for them. And it was like, hey, if Jesus is offering something new, let's go. Let's try this out. Let's move forward for change. So I want you all to keep this in mind. Let's fast forward to Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. I'm going to read this text for you. And this is about one of Jesus' disciples that he called in this section of the controversy dialogues. And so let me find my, my spot here. So once again, uh, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. 
Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Meanwhile, uh, or while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to him, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus went back out to the lake or the Sea of Galilee. It's the same thing. And he called another disciple to follow him. He had already called these fishermen to follow him, but he went out and called another disciple. And his name was Levi, son of Alphaeus. Now, Levi was not a fisher like these other guys, but Levi knew the fishers. Levi was involved in tax collection. He was a Jewish man, in many ways, you could argue, was collaborating with the Roman government to collect taxes and fees from the peasant fishing families. He was likely involved in two types of tax collection. First off, he would have sold the fishing licenses to the people who were fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They probably wouldn't like that they were having to buy a fishing license to fish on their lake, right? So he was selling them their license. And also, he likely collected tolls on the goods that would have crossed the border. Now, these toll collectors would have charged what the Roman government required, but there's a good chance they would have charged interest on top of that so they could keep a little bit of money for themselves. The fishers were being charged to fish on the lake, and they were being charged to sell their products to people in other places who could afford to buy him. And so Levi, the tax collector, was actively bringing financial hardship upon the fishers who were fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And he was likely keeping a profit for himself. So as you can imagine, these tax collectors, these toll collectors, were not very well liked in that part of the world. They were despised by many of the Jews because they were viewed as being dishonest and sellouts and swindlers. And Jesus called one of these guys to follow him. That's pretty shocking, right, that Jesus would call one of the tax collectors to follow him. But it gets even more unbelievable. Then we read that Jesus went to Levi's house for dinner and basically threw a big party over dinner at Levi's house with other tax collectors, not just Levi, and his disciples were there as well. And his disciples that he had called already were fishermen. And so get this, Mark portrays a story or a party where you have the ones who were in debt and the debt collectors all together in the same house celebrating. Now, I can't imagine a party like that happening without some serious conflict unless something were to happen ahead of time. The only way I can imagine that kind of celebration happening is if folks like Levi took their discipleship seriously, they repented of their sin, and they engaged in some serious wealth redistribution. Because if somebody swindled me out of money, I'm not going to go party with them until they make that right, right? If someone swindled me out of money and was leading to my poverty and my suffering, I am not going to go to a dinner party with them until they make things right with me before that, right? We see another example of a story like this with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus um, was a, another tax collector, and he was called to follow Jesus, and he ended up deciding he was going to pay everybody back four times what he had cheated them out of after he followed Jesus. So while Jesus was throwing the party, 
uh, some Pharisees, which were some religious leaders during that time who took the law very seriously. Um, there were likely some wonderful Pharisees, and there were also some Pharisees that Jesus had some problems with. And some of the Pharisees saw what was taking place inside of this home. Because these homes, they didn't have big living rooms. They were probably this party was spilling out into the common areas. You could see into the homes. They were very public places. And so they looked in, and they saw what Jesus was doing. He wasn't trying to hide it. Maybe he wanted the community to see this shocking party that was taking place. But here's what they saw. Jesus was sharing a celebration meal with poor people, with sinners, and the evil tax collectors. Honestly, this party probably would have offended almost everyone in Capernaum because these people were not supposed to eat together. They were not supposed to be together. Some of the Pharisees were particularly offended. You see, they had their own movement going, which called people to rigorous adherence to the Torah and the oral traditions of Judaism. They cared deeply about the purity laws and the food laws, and this, the kind of food you ate mattered, and the people you ate with really mattered to them. They enjoyed their position often of regulating these boundaries, and who you shared the table with mattered. So during Jesus' time and during Mark's time of writing this gospel, the movement of the Pharisees was gaining momentum. It was very popular. And Jesus and Mark, I think, both understood that this Pharisaical movement was some of the Pharisees enforcing strict boundaries and exclusion could be taken too far. And it was not God's desire for the world. So I think Mark decided to include this story in his gospel about Jesus' strategic, unlawful, public meal of inclusion, redistribution, sharing, and welcome. I think he included this story because he wanted to show people that Jesus was about something different. His decision to throw that party with all those people got Jesus into some trouble. After that, Jesus decided he would publicly violate the Sabbath law two times in a row. This was a law, and Jesus chose to violate it publicly two times in a row, and at the end of the section, we read that the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Already in chapter 3 of Mark, this group of political and religious leaders are plotting about how they would kill Jesus. Already in Mark, Jesus' kingdom project was incompatible with this social order that in, was in being enforced by the local authorities, and that's why he had so much conflict with them. You see, their way of structuring society with the tax collectors overtaxing the peasantry kept a certain kind of peace, and undoing that system would be a major threat to the powerful. You know, as we're celebrating Black History Month, this reminds me of another strategic meal that we now call the sit-in movement. Led by young black freedom fighters a few decades ago, black and white people both illegally went and sat together at lunch counters across the South in protest of evil segregation laws. This sit-in movement caused great trouble all across the South, but it was good trouble. John Lewis in particular, if you read a biography about him, you'll see he, was, he caused so much trouble in being involved in these movements across the South. Martin Luther King Jr. was all about uh, the kingdom of God. He carried on this part of Jesus' witness in his spirit. And he spoke of what he called the beloved community. And for me, this is when I think of the kingdom of God, I often think of Martin Luther King's vision of the beloved community. Here in Mark's gospel, we see a glimpse of what the beloved community is all about. 
we see Jesus taking up the cause of the poor and the oppressed and calling them to join a movement of redemption and change. And we also see Mar- or Jesus calling the oppressors to also become part of the beloved community through repentance, through reparation, through solidarity, through reconciliation. You know, a few years ago, I've shared this song before. Uh, my friend Justin Berenger also loves this song. Um, some of y'all know him, but it's a song by a band called The Salters. I'm pretty sure Rick Reams looked it up a few years ago, and he's like, I don't know about this uh, uh, music. But uh, they, they dro- this group called The Salters, they drove around on this big black bus that ran on vegetable oil, and they played shows all across the country, and, and I got to see them live a couple of times. But they look kind of like what I picture John the Baptist look like. Um, and I want to read the lyrics to one of their songs because I think it really strikes to the heart of what Jesus did at this party, this feast at the house of Levi. He says, come now and join the feast from the greatest to the very least. Come now and join the feast right here in the belly of the beast. Cops and soldiers, you can come do too. lay down your guns and come on through. Rich people, get rid of your stuff. Poor people, there will be enough. Mighty ones, come down from your thrones. Little ones, you will not be alone. Lazy man, come to the table. Make some food for those who ain't able. Pretty winner, swallow your pride. Drink the ugly loser who for all died. Make sure everyone gets some, and then we'll see the kingdom. And then it repeats. (laughs) When Jesus returns... After being gone for a while now, we're praying for Jesus to return. But after Jesus returns to establish his eternal rule and reign, the oppressive and hurtful and exclusionary practices of this world will come to an end. I can't wait for that. How about you all? I'm excited about that. And for those who are willing to submit to Jesus as king, I, I believe that we will all live together in harmony, in equality, in love. And there will be no more hurting one another. There will be no more where some people have too much and some have not enough. Mark's gospel, though, makes it clear that we don't just sit around and wait for that day to come. We work with Jesus now to bring about his vision of a world that is ruled by the ethic of love of God and love of neighbor. We work towards that now with God. The ministry of Jesus didn't stop when he ascended up into heaven. I believe that when Jesus ascended up to heaven, it was now our job to carry on through the spirit of Jesus, his work here in this world. And so if you read about all the things Jesus did in the Gospels, our job is to continue that work today and and imagine how we can do that work in our own context right now, even though we're 2,000 years removed from when Jesus walked the earth. I believe often this is going to result... and us getting into some good trouble sometimes, um, because Jesus got into good trouble. We must break rank sometimes with patriarchy. We must break rank with white supremacy and militarism and materialism. And when we're willing to break rank with those things, we're not always going to be well received. And some aren't going to like it. And some might even label us enemies. Some Christians, I believe, are just waiting around until they get to heaven. And for some folks, they believe the kingdom of God will come in its fullness and and it'll come and be in this kind of far off place that we'll get to experience after the earth is destroyed and we go and live with God in heaven. And so if you think the earth's just going to be destroyed one day, then making any life better down here right now doesn't make too much sense, right? 
For them, I think they believe that the big kingdom feast that we talk about will take place only in the afterlife. However, Jesus talks a lot about how the kingdom is already among us. It is here. It is right now. And I believe we can experience the joy of the kingdom right now when we engage in Jesus' boundary-breaking ministry here on earth. We are all invited to join the feast and live as citizens of the kingdom of God now, right now, as we walk here among one another here on this earth. And as we're going to see in the upcoming weeks, in order to join the feast, we're going to have to be willing to take up our cross and follow Jesus' path of service and love for others, even if that means getting into some good trouble sometimes, the necessary trouble um, that Jesus was willing to get into. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You know, it's like I kind of want to clap for good trouble, but I'm like, I don't know. Getting into trouble is not easy, right? And, and I think we need to be realistic about, like, what the calling of Jesus really is. And right now in this volatile and important moment that we're living in here in America and across our world, like, we need to get serious. We have to be serious-minded about what it means to follow Jesus in the here and now and what it means for us to follow Jesus' path of love and equality and goodness and freedom right now in this world in which we live. And so uh, Mark, for me, is a gospel that's encouraging and life-giving, but it's also a challenge to me. And it really is helping me to wake up even more and to see, like, hey, this is serious business. And what Jesus is calling us to, we have to be creative. We have to be serious about how we're going to live out this calling that Jesus has placed upon our lives um, in our context in which we live today. We're going to share communion this morning. If y'all could just bow your heads with me just for a moment. God, I thank you so much for being here with us today. And, and God, it's exciting to talk about your ministry. It's exciting to talk about and reflect on what you did when you walked here among us. It's so cool to see how you tore down walls and, and hierarchies and you brought people together and, and people were inspired by you and your calling that they were willing to share and they were willing to, to make things right and repair damage that they had done to others. It's so beautiful and exciting to see, but Lord, we also feel trepidation. And we feel the heaviness of realizing that, that you are inviting us to join that work also. And that God, you're wanting to partner with us in this world to see those same kind of dinner parties happen even today. That same kind of movement today of, of tearing down boundaries and and hierarchies and bringing people together around a common purpose and mission to see this world redeemed and made whole. And I pray, Lord, that we would take the call seriously. We'd work together, challenge one another on how we can do that together here in community at Embrace Church. Lord, we need you so much. And I pray this morning that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and juice and whatever folks have set aside for this purpose at home and that God they would be for us the body and blood of Christ that you would fill us up this morning in a fresh way that we would leave here feeling more fortified, more grounded more centered on you and that that would help be kind of that springboard to propel us into action in this world today Lord we need you so much Lord, we confess to you that we have failed to love you with our whole heart. We failed to love our neighbor as ourself. We confess to you that we have hurt one another. 
and we've clung to our own kind of comfort and safety and we failed to reach out and take the risk in love. Confess to you, Lord, that we have just been so selfish, prideful and arrogant. And God, we ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would forgive us and not only that, but empower us, Lord, through the power of your spirit. to truly repent and turn from our sin and walk in your direction alongside you and our other siblings in Christ here in our community. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the grace that's, that's here for us in this journey. We thank you that you're willing to work with us and walk with us, that you don't expect us to have it all figured out, that you're willing to teach us and to guide us, to lead us in the direction that you would have us go. Lord, we love you so much. Pray you would meet us here in this time that we share together, share in communion. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are helping me serve communion to come on up. Here at Embrace, we take communion by you'll form two lines down the center aisle. As you come forward, I encourage you to have your hands open to receive the bread and the juice. Your server will tear off a piece of bread for you, and then they'll dip it in the cup for you, and they'll place it in your hand. If you need a gluten-free option, just let your server know. If you prefer to take a prepackaged communion elements, you can do that um, in the back, um, and we have some of those back there as well. Just give me a moment to prepare the elements, and then I'll invite you up. table is set and the meal is ready and you're invited to come uh, whenever you feel led. If you'd like prayer, I'd be more than happy to lift you up. I'll just be over on this side of the stage. Just come find me. Come whenever you feel led.
being here this morning. God, prepare your hearts to receive the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.